This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Throughout history and even to an extent in our own day, Jewish-Christian relationships have been complicated and often fraught. The SAJBD's journal Jewish Affairs will shortly be publishing a thought-provoking paper on this subject by uh, Reverend Peter Houston. Reverend Houston is the canon theologian for the Anglican Diocese of Natal and is rector of St. Agnes Church, which is just outside Durban. Reverend, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. It's good to be on your show. Reverend, earlier this week you wrote to your congregants expressing concern about Simon Creel's posts on Facebook. And just to remind everybody, um, Simon Creel uh, posted some shocking anti-Semitic comments uh, regarding the Holocaust and Hitler, and the SAJBD has instituted criminal charges against her. Uh, Reverend, what was your message to the community? I was just expressing concern that something so anti-Semitic and inflammatory and uh, Holocaust denialism, historical uh, revision, uh, you know, saying that Hitler's innocent and, and the Jews are really responsible for what happened on in, in World War Two, and saying that the Jewish soul is corrupt and, and saying Jews have a special place in hell. I, I, that is such tremendous the anti-Semitic and classical anti-Semitism uh, just in all those statements and the response from, from churches and society was nothing. Those statements were picked up in the citizen I think uh, and and made no ripples in social media when Perry, Penny Sparrow made a, a comment a, a derogatory and, and racist comment. It was trending on social media, there were dedicated hashtags when we had uh, gender-based violence and the Me Too movement, um, it was picked up on. But an anti-Semitic statement like that and, and not even a ripple in social media, not picked up uh, on any news, uh, no response from any churches. And, and that's a problem to me. So I, I wrote to my congregation saying, hang on, wait. Um, this is not right. We need to be deeply concerned by... Either the, the the silence that uh, her, her statement was met with, or or the tacit approval. When people are silent, they, they can often just nod in approval, and that's a problem given the, the history of of the, of the church with anti-Semitism. Considering that there's so much happening in our world at the moment in terms of um, certainly the Black Lives Matter uh, has obviously come to the fore. We people are dealing with COVID nineteen related. Issues. Uh, to what extent do you think this issue is just like not so important in terms of the global, uh, whatever is happening around us? And to what extent do you think we should be concerned that the the response isn't as big as it might have been? Appreciate this is so much going on in our news cycles. Um, Black Lives Matter um, protests around the world. Um, relentless COVID reporting. I think we are all so tired of just turning on the news and, and just reading about COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, so I can understand why perhaps this got lost in the news cycle. But the overwhelming silence, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. The, the fact that uh, no other news outlets picked up on her anti-Semitic statement um, that wasn't flagged by any churches. She, she self-identifies as a Christian. Um, she makes it very clear she's a Christian. Now, she then is speaking in, in my name. Um, what about other Christians who should say, hang on, wait, no. 
there's a thousands of years of anti-Semitism in the church, uh, a theology that's deeply problematic. The church has been silent uh, many times um, when there's been anti-Semitism in society, and, and and the Jews have suffered the consequences time and time and time again. And if we are to say never again, then it means actually picking up on on, on these kind of issues. Don't, don't just let it slide. That should be the church's mantra. Reverend, you speak about um, the, the history between the Jewish and Christian communities. Uh, do you want to explore that a little bit further? Earlier this year, I did a, a course with the Wolf Institute in, in Cambridge, and it was looking at um, Jewish-Muslim relationships, but you can't look at those relationships without also looking at the church. And it was fascinating to me to to see reading after reading and gain perspective after perspective from, from Jewish scholars and Muslim scholars and, and a, a range of Jewish voices to see how tied up the church is in uh, what has happened down, down the ages. Um, and the, we see in, in, in uh, Simone Creel's statements um, some anti-Semitic uh, concepts that go back uh, to the early days of the church. Uh, what she expressed are denigrating Jews and Judaism and uh, saying they have a corrupt soul, Jews have a corrupt soul. You can find uh, words like that in the mouths of, of the church fathers. Um, the, the, this anti-Semitism in the church is always characterized as denigration of Jewish character in, in some way, portraying Jews as being corrupt or particularly prone to some kind of sinfulness or being paragons of evil. I mean, Simone implies that as well. And and, and, and that idea of a Jews as a semi-satanic um, kind of figure is found in church teachings from the 4th century onwards. Um, Jews being scapegoated, that, that, that's there in uh, church teachings and uh, has been problematic in, in Jewish-Christian relationships. From from the beginning, and scapegoating the the Jews for the failings of Christian society. Um, look at many of the anti-Semitic, uh, I don't know, incidents, pogroms. It's a time when the society needed a, a scapegoat. Um, Jews being blamed for the Black Death that swept throughout Europe. You see the conspiracy theories now uh, with the COVID virus. Again, you don't have to look far, and you see Jews being blamed for that. Um, the, the church is teaching uh, for a long time, uh, actually was used to to pass laws that treated Jews as second-class citizens. Um, you go back to uh, Emperor, uh, well, John Chrysostom, or one of the, the church fathers. He influenced the emperor, Byzantine emperor, to 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 pass laws that were unfavorable for Jews. Um, Martin Luther is maybe more familiar for, for in Protestant churches, but his view of the Jews um, led to things that you know later Hitler would pick up on: um, closing, burning down synagogues, burning Torah. Uh, I could go on and on. That's the problem. Is her her comments just connect with thousands of years? What was the response by your? congregation to your comments and and to what extent do you think um, Christians like yourself do feel uncomfortable when she speaks in the name of Christianity or to, and to what extent do you think it actually resonates with people 
going back to one of your earlier thoughts, there, there's so much information at the moment. So my, my email to my congregation, I think, is just one of many uh, things that have, have gone out. So um, there, there, there have been some response showing shock and, and horror and, and ignorance, saying, oh, we, we didn't know, but this is terrible. So I'm encouraged by that. But not an overwhelming response of picking up and saying, no, this, this shouldn't happen. But again, it's in the context of so much information overload. I think I posted on Facebook as well, and, and there the, the response has been very strong and, and overwhelming from Christians around South Africa saying, no, this is, this is not right, not in our name. You mentioned that you were doing a course at the Wolf Institute on Muslim-Jewish relations. And, uh, and I wonder to what extent the Anglican Church is responding to the Middle East. The Anglican Church, I think, in different parts is responding um, because we are a global denomination. Um, and certainly at the Wolf Institute, uh, some of the trustees and in uh, some of the other courses, the very strong uh, Anglican presence. But I'm, I'm not very well versed in that. I, I think in South Africa, it's really limited to uh, Israel and Palestine. And the Anglican response is, is, is specific to that. Um, and I mean... We're going to bring it up, but uh, it's really limited to uh, activism around uh, pad- uh, Palestinian um, uh, matters, justice matters, um, BDS. The Anglican Church of Southern Africa passed that motion in September last year, calling on all Anglican parishes to, to support boycott and disinvestment and sanctions of, of, of Israel. Um, and, and so that, that, that's the level of Anglican engagement with the Middle East, very narrow, limited to Israel, Palestine, and and, uh, concerning primarily uh, Palestinian justice. I remember when the Anglican Church came out with that statement, and I remember feeling quite shocked at the time for a number of reasons, and perhaps you can explore some of this. But one of the things that really struck me from that statement was the revisionism of um, Jewish history. And from what I understood of it, the, everybody has a claim to the Holy Land, the Muslims and the Christians, but the Jews somehow are not connected to it. Is that, was that my, is my understanding of what they were saying correct? When I read through, through the motion that there's this uh, one statement, all forms of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia should be condemned in the strongest term. It struck me like, uh, conversations, um, sometimes here in passing where someone say, I'm not, I'm not a racist, but, or I'm not sexist, but, and, uh, it, the, that wording is like, I'm not anti-Semitic, but, and what came out in the motion to me is profoundly anti-Semitic. Um, at the heart, uh, is value inversion. Um, and th- th- what I mean by that is taking what, Jews and Judaism hold dear and value most and inverting it so that it gets trumped by, by something else. And, and the, the chief rabbi came out and said, you know, this is beyond the pale. The, the church does not have the right to exercise this kind of revision of history. But going back to my, my comment on, on anti-Semitism in the church, value inversion is a, is a right that the church has presumed to exercise from the earliest of days. So, so you think of uh, the value inversion, the, the things within Judaism that I hold dear, uh, 
uh, covenant, uh, circumcision, kosher laws, uh, Sabbath, uh, Jewish festivals, high days and holy days, um, the Holy Land, Israel, Jerusalem within that and, and, and the temple. And, and look at the teaching of the church and, and there's value inversion with, with, with all those things. And, and it's theologically justified. And I, I think it's not merely a revision of history. It's a, it's an extension of theology that the church holds. Um, I must say revision of history is something to be trifled at, but it's, it's, it's more deep seated than someone rewriting history. Um, it's, it's, Again, affirming a theology that's within the church, and um, that takes what is what is Jewish and and denigrates it in some way. Reverend, were you shocked when the, that statement was released? Did you see it coming? I saw it coming, uh, but that didn't uh, stop me from being shocked. Um, a similar kind of uh, motion has been before our diocesan synod. Um, uh, each time we've met for the past few. Uh, sessions. So for it to appear at the provincial center did, didn't surprise me. The BDS South Africa jumped on it as soon as it was passed to say the Anglican Church of Southern Africa has passed a binding motion on all 4.5 million uh, congregants and this is what Anglicans are now going to do. They don't understand the Anglican Church. We, we're not a top-down hierarchy. We, we're not a not a Roman Catholic church. Um, even the archbishop, he, he's not the boss of all the bishops. He, he's the first among equals. So when the province passed that motion, they were establishing a, a, a policy statement, but it's not binding on, on dioceses. So th- I was shocked, but I, I'm waiting to see how it gets uh, applied when it goes before diocesan synods. Now each diocese in South Africa has to take that motion and debate it themselves and decide to adopt it or not. And when it gets to, to that level of, of church governance in the Anglican Church, we, we need to watch very closely what's going on because the, the bishop and the diocese is the autonomous authority unit w- within the Anglican Church. So if, if the diocese tell passes a similar resolution, then that is far more binding on, on individual parishes. My one um, hope is, or ray of light, is that th- th- there's still the, the right to exercise a conscience. So if even at a Dyson level, this motion, similar motion was passed to, to support BDS, uh, I think individual parishes could say, actually, no, um, we, we exercise our conscience to not do that. You've already come out strongly against this. Um, within the Anglican Church in South Africa, what was the response? Do you know? Very divided, very vehement in, on, on, on both sides and in the middle. So a very Anglican response. You know, I've heard it said you have two, two, two Jewish rabbis, three opinions. That sounds very Anglican and that the, this motion was passed and there was tremendous support and tremendous uh, resistance. I had church members telling me immediately they're going to leave the Anglican church. They're withholding their giving to my local congregation. And then others who are saying, fantastic, wonderful, justice has triumphed. At, at last, the Anglican Church is coming behind the, the, the plight of the Palestinians. So a very contested space, even in the Anglican Church. Um, emotions run quite high. So even me speaking on, on this matter with you, I'm, I'm sure there will be some kind of comeback.
We appreciate your courage in doing so, Reverend. Just in terms of Anglicans throughout the world, is this an issue that is also debated or discussed amongst them? BDS, I think, has been quite a prickly issue around the world. South Africa has come out very strongly in support of BDS, um, although she is now trading as Africa for Palestine. Um, but in other parts of the world, it hasn't quite so willingly been adopted. Uh, I think a, a deep concern is is that BDS is a thinly veiled front for uh, quite an anti-Jewish agenda. It's, it's, it's not only the plight of the Palestinians um, to see justice be done there. When you see some of the postings of BDS leaders and associates, it is blatant anti-Semitism. It's pictures on Facebook and Twitter of erasure of, of Israel, of very anti-Semitic um, Cartoons that, that that go out. It's not merely anti-Israel; it's anti-Jewish, and and that's if you're a Jew on a campus in South Africa, and there's an uh, Israel Apartheid Week or some BDS event, it doesn't take much to shift it to be more than anti-Israel to be an anti-Jew. Um, shoot the Jew, or I think was the shoot the Boer song that was adapted. Um, it's yeah. a very small step. So in Anglican churches around the world, it's, it's not so straightforward of, yes, let's go with BDS. It's definitely debated and contested. It's been such a fascinating discussion, uh, Reverend. Uh, I, actually, I completely agree with you. We see BDS, irrespective of their being applicable Palestine or BDS coalition, we on the whole see them as uh, being anti-Israel with uh, anti-Semitism following very quickly behind it. And we've got, you know, quite factual evidence to, to back this up. So we agree with you. The BDS is anti-Semitic. Um, we are very grateful to our friends like yourselves who are courageous and do speak out and kind of deal with issues within your own communities as we should be dealing with issues within ours. So I thank you very much for joining me and thank you for your firm stance and your friendship. My pleasure. Look forward to joining together.